Welcome to A Moment with Modern Mentors, a podcast series by Digital Collective Co, where we soak up wisdom, anecdotes, and actionable tips from Australian startups, female founders, business leaders, industry pioneers, and C-suite executives, a sway of people who have achieved amazing things in their professional fields. My name is Mia McLeod, and I'm the founder of Digital Collective Co. We are a collective of digital experts who have come together during a time of adversity, all aligned in the mission of finding a better way of working while simultaneously improving the balance in our lives. Hi, I'm Luke Morris. I'm the founder and CEO of Liptember, which is a campaign that's focused around supporting women's mental health. Today, we are speaking to Luke Morris, CEO of Liptember, a campaign dedicated to raising funds and awareness for women's mental health. Liptember is dedicated to helping women harness their true potential and the true potential of the collective, encouraging and inspiring people to listen, share and learn. Luke started the Liptember initiative 10 years ago when he was just 24 years old. He was noticing that there was a support groups like Movember popping up for men, but at the time, no mental health support charities for women. He was in a job he wasn't particularly enjoying, so he jumped feet first into building his own charity from the ground up. Ten years on, Liptember is now generating millions of dollars of donations and has a long-term partnership with Chemist Warehouse. Through the month of September, Liptember encourages women to pop on some lippy and make donations to Liptember and help women via charities including Centre for Women's Mental Health, Lifeline, Barter, the Jean Hales Foundation, the Pretty Foundation and the Magpies Nest Women's Program. Welcome, Luke. I'm super excited about this podcast today, this interview with you. Such an amazing cause, Liptember, and I'm fascinated to hear the story from the beginning on how you got involved and came up with this idea. So I'll kick off by asking you, just tell me a little bit about Liptember and what it is and how and when you came up with the idea for it. Definitely. It's a long one. I sometimes get people they ask that question, you sort of take a deep breath. It's like, oh, what's the, what's the shorter version of it? it Give us a long version. <laughs> <laughs> well, essentially, Libtember was born in 2010. Believe it or not, back then there was really no female-specific fundraiser that was around that fundraising model that was similar to that Movember style. And we were just out one night, I was with friends, and we were talking about you know, the fact that there was no female-specific fundraiser and we just sort of having a bit of a laugh with it and we just throwing around ideas and, like, what could you do? And you could incorporate lipstick and get women to wear really bright, you know, out there lipstick and draw attention to a cause. So it just sort of evolved from there. And I think a lot of people, when they hear about it, wonder, you know, why it came about. Is there a, a connection there with myself personally with Ms. Health? And, and I try and be really open and honest about it and there's not. It purely was born out of the, the idea and the fact that there wasn't anything back then and I was in a job that I really hated. I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll start a charity. Let's, let's, we, this sounds like a good idea. <laughs> and ironically, back then there was now there's a day, week, month, campaign for everything it just exploded from that point on which is quite funny but I was sort of put in touch with a mutual friend Renee Jess who's on our board who'd set up charities in the past and I sort of learned from her and we knew there was a lot of really good work being done with women's cancers and things and, and we started talking to a few people and especially Royal Women's Hospital down here in Victoria and they have the Centre for Women's Mental Health, which is a national centre. So we started talking about women's mental health. So not only just gender-specific mental health, like menopausal, postnatal, 
but also the focus on putting a gender lens on mental health and how powerful that can be. And in the past, you know, even back then, there was a lot of mental health research programs tailored around men and then applied to women, which they were seeing, you know, was causing a lot of it to miss the mark. And when they were, you know, focusing in on splitting men and women and, and separating them, because inherently, obviously, men and women are very different, it made a lot of sense to them. And they started seeing more accuracy with research and success rates of programs. So it made sense to us. And we're like, well, this sounds like a great, you know, course to, to, to direct this campaign behind. And, and it just sort of went from there. And, yeah, we um, started off really small and had a, lots and lots of challenges along the way. But, yeah, we sort of landed here to where we are 10 years later. And, yeah, it's, it's amazing to look back on and think what we went through. And what do you think was the kind of, I guess, you say there wasn't like a personal connection, but what do you think was the element of the charity angle that really attracted you or kind of fascinated you to, to want to start a business? Yeah, I think then obviously I started becoming really passionate the more and more I learned about mental health and mental health I'm incredibly passionate about and, and learning more about how, you know, gender plays a really important role there. So, yeah, I, I really had limited idea like a knowledge and experience in that space and I thought well you know that'd be a great you know road to go down for for a career to to do some good with it as well like that was really appealing to me as well so yeah I I get that a lot and people sort of asking that question and I'm just really honest about it I'm like no I wasn't I didn't have a connection to mental health I wasn't really passionate about mental health it wasn't the driver to start it but since living and breathing it for 10 years I'm incredibly passionate about it and it's yeah it's evolved as it's gone on I guess. And do you think any of your background or upbringing or parenting led you to that place or was it just random? I think it was just random, yeah. Like my, I like became a father further down the line and obviously those sort of things tie in and really help you understand mental health and, and place a bigger importance on mental health. Mm. But at that age, I was still, I was like 23 or 24, so I was still a bit of a kid and yeah. a bit naive to things and going, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll get into this. This will be fun. <laughs> so it was a bit of that sort of grow. That's what I was going to say. You were only 24 when you launched September. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's only a baby and just naive. <laughs> <laughs> and and ten years of Liptember, what tell us what that looks like. I mean, that's a long time in the world of kind of raising funds and donations, but how how has the Liptember charity evolved over that period of time? Oh, it's yeah, massively. I think I think when we first started our first three years, we were really struggling, raising really small amounts of money. I was laboring with my father-in-law which was just something <laughs> I, no, I'm not built for and uh, that was a bit of a laugh but I had to do something else to try and survive because we weren't drawing wages from it we was trying to get as much to where we wanted it to go and then like I think the third year we were being able to reimburse ourselves for, for costs so I had like that conversation with my parents many a time where they're like you know is this what you really want to do because you know in other words this isn't working and you're wasting your time and if you want to move out of home before you're 40 maybe you should try something else but yeah it was really tough and I was very close to sort of saying look is like Renee stepped away because she had kids and a mortgage and it was really hard for her to be Mm. you know I was still at home and relatively young so I was sort of we had an agreement where I was like look I'll keep trying to move this forward she can help where she can and yeah it was at crossroads and even I was at like a point where I was like I don't think this is working I don't think it's gonna be viable long term and we just got a huge huge break 
with Chemist Warehouse. How long ago was that? Was that? Uh, that was, so it's been about seven or eight years I've been with them. So I think it was after 2000, I think it was 2013, we partnered with them. So, right. so you were two years in and then you kind of. Yeah, we'd, we'd run three campaigns. I think we'd raised 50,000, 55, and then maybe 75,000, I think that third year. So it was very minimal. Yeah. And yeah, we, um, it was sort of, it was bizarre. Like it was just, it was like, this is too good to be true, but really great timing. And they were looking to do something in that space and do something charitable. And how did you get connected with them? Through my, my dad of all people it was funny. I was having a coffee with him and we were selling these Burt's Bees lip balms originally. They were, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. They were like tinted lip balms, but yeah. it was a catch 22 because we were, like there were the people we wanted people to get women to get sponsored and wear something really bright and out there mm. to start conversation. And people sort of like, well, what am I getting sponsored to do this if you can't tell I'm even really wearing the product? <laughs> yeah, but, it was a bit too subtle. <laughs> yeah, but all our fundraising was coming from those lip balms. So we were sort of stuck. And yeah, my dad, I was sort of talking about him, like, oh, I need to really get into like expand where we sell these lip balms and He's like, oh, I know one of the owners of Chemist Warehouse. And I was like, I never tipped my coffee on him. So like, <laughs> You're like, you've been giving this a yeah, secret. <laughs> just I've been sitting on that one for a while. So, but it was great. Like, and then obviously connecting there and it was just, I guess, in life, like perfect timing when things yeah. sort of connected and they offered to become a major partner, solve that problem of sourcing a product that was a bright colored lipstick that we could use, which was just a game changer. And obviously when that came in, we started seeing the engagement with our community go through the roof because it suddenly made sense. It's like, yeah, well, I'm getting sponsored to wear blue or purple lipstick for the month and, and look a bit <laughs> silly. <laughs> and we went from raising 70000 to 400000 So I was wow. like, oh, hang on, like this is – and this that was really like just sort of testing the water and it was the first year doing things in store, selling lipsticks in store. And, yeah, it grew and grew and it went from four to eight to nine to 1.2 to 1.4 to 1.8 to 2 million and it was just like wow yeah it just scaled up really really quickly your last year you you raised 2 million in donations yeah yeah so that's a combination wow. like the way we raise funds is through product sales in chemist warehouse and also their catalog the, their suppliers really amazing and support a campaign by donating percentage of products. Wow. So you, you under the banner of Liptember through the month of September in Chemist Warehouse, proceeds from the lipstick sales go to Liptember? Is that how it works? Yeah, so we've got our own specific lipstick. So it sits in a counter unit in store. So it's all branded our lipstick, which is great. So W7 is the, the product, but it's all branded up Liptember and looks amazing. So there's that. And then there's obviously the component where people jump online register and get sponsored to to wear it so yeah it just started scaling and it was still me just on my own for <laughs> 10 years yeah. and it was just sort of like how do I keep up with it it just kept growing and growing and growing so yeah it was but very exciting it was like okay this is actually a real thing now this is this is starting to do some really good things and, and it's become a career and yeah yeah absolutely and when you get someone like a chemist warehouse involved in a in a charity how do you manage that relationship it's a weird one like it's funny because i've been there for a lot longer than some of their employees i've been there for like <laughs> working because it's, it's something else they do that's really quite amazing for us too is and for me especially at that time is they offered like for me to come in and use their office space and use their staff yeah. and their design department so it cuts out all these big overheads that some 
you know, nonprofits have. I don't have to lease a space. I don't have to. So I could leverage off them really heavily, which was just amazing. And yeah, it, it's, it's weird because I'd go in there and sort of, I had a bit of a, like a hot desk where I can sort of come in and out and that was a bit of a running joke too. I was sort of sometimes we'd rock in at 10 o'clock and, oh, you're in early today, but I work a little bit differently. But it's a unique setup where they're, they're our major partner, but they're obviously such an enormous stakeholder. And, you know, I credit, you know, if without them, who knows, I think it probably would have started to wrap up. So incredibly grateful. And it's a great relationship. Like, a, yeah, I can talk to them really openly and honestly and they get it and they know where it needs to go and, They've just supported it for, for so long and their stores and their staff are really engaged in it too, which is amazing. Last year, their stores alone just doing morning teas and barbecues raised a million dollars. So it's wow. just Gosh. crazy. Yeah. For the non-Liptemba user or donator, talk us through how it works exactly and, and how you can kind of spread the word far and wide. Yeah, so it's fairly straightforward. I think we have a similar that, that fundraising model where you go online you register as a fundraiser and you can register to say, hey, look, I'm going to wear purple or blue lipstick for the whole month of September every day. I'll do it for maybe a specific week in September or just a single day and then go out and then seek sponsors and friends and families to, to sponsor their profile for doing that. Obviously, people can, like we try and make it as flexible as possible. Like if you don't want to do that, you can also just buy a lipstick and that's mm-hmm. a way of supporting the cause or you can just make a general donation. But, yeah, we've got some amazing supporters that, you know, some people just, yeah. I don't, it's funny, like I've, I still haven't been, in 10 years, funny enough, haven't been challenged to wear the lipstick for any prolonged, <laughs> prolonged period of time. There's some horror photos of me out there somewhere like wearing horrible lipstick. Like it is difficult to wear lipstick every day of the month. Like it is a challenge and especially wearing something bright like that. <laughs> With a beard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, they do an amazing job. Like it, it isn't easy and like, you know, it, to wear blue lipstick or purple lipstick for, for a month is, is a good effort. And I saw this week you had an Olympian wearing lipstick and sporting. Yeah, we've just got some, we've got some amazing ambassadors. Like we're incredibly fortunate in that regard too. And it's a, another big component of, you know, trying to get that message out there and having some really strong advocates that, you know, a lot, a lot of people are becoming really passionate about mental health. So mm. to have people with the really significant profiles, you know, helping us draw attention to the campaign and raise awareness is, is a really big deal for us. So who are some of your ambassadors this year and how have they helped? So we've got quite a few, but recently this year we've had Taylor Demir come on board. We've had Alira Potter. We've had like, and we've also had ambassadors have supported us for quite a few years now, which is great. Like Karina Irby is another one. Mm-hmm. Lydia Lasilla, who is a winter gold medalist. She's unbelievable. She's been an amazing support for years. So we've got Molly Meldrum of all people that we've managed to get some lipstick on. So, yeah, like the Tully Smith, like we've just got a lot of, and, and, and people from various, you know, walks of life that have, you know, they've done a re- really big job in helping us promote the campaign, which we're incredibly grateful for. And I can imagine social media is just the perfect platform, isn't it? Because obviously you can, you know, just use that audience reach to, to take the message of Liptember far and wide. Yeah, and I think that's something that we're looking at too as it still evolves is, you know, we've got some amazing community ambassadors that do Mm. such an amazing job that 
you know, we want to elevate them as well and acknowledge them. Just, you know, you may not have like a celebrity profile, but it doesn't mean you're doing any less amazing work than, you know, some of the people that are at the ground level really pushing the campaign, which we're just, you know, so grateful for. And especially with content creators, social influencers who really get involved in the content they're creating, it starts to become quite interesting, the, the creativity element of, of doing something with one of those social influencers for a brand like Liptember. And, you know, obviously Chemist Warehouse gets the benefit of that too. Yeah. And so Liptember is running right now for the whole month of September. Can you tell us what it takes to get prepared for a month of September dedicated to fundraising? How does your year pan out? Well, yeah, it's it's changed like dramatically since the start. I would work very differently. It was such a, it was such a smaller scale campaign that you'd work June through to October, and the rest of the time I'd be off doing other jobs to try and mm. keep my head above water. And as it's gotten bigger, it's like that time block that I had off in that off season's gotten bigger, and now we just go through. So it's as soon as we finish. September, it starts like it's you know we we're doing thank yous and prizes, acknowledgements for our fundraisers and supporters, you know through to outcome funding, like the really important part of like okay where do we want to see these mm. funds going to all our like reporting with licensing, and then once that's through, and then you sort of have that you know late November December off period, then it just starts planning again. It's like planning like website planning, social planning, the PR marketing product planning for what's going in the stores we've got like a lip timber box that we sell each year with suppliers contribute to so it's a lot of i get that a lot though people sort of have a you know a laugh with it it's like what do you do when it's not september like you must have such a good job like and it was a bit like that but yeah but now it's just yeah it just doesn't stop it's just there's so many more moving parts that to manage Mm. and yeah lots of things even just like our website takes a lot of of, of hours just like sitting there and then going through stuff and like that's a big component of our campaign is our peer-to-peer fundraising and trying to improve that year on year and then obviously then you come and hit roadblocks on things and doing testing and then wanting it to be as perfect as possible by the time it hits September and or even before September so there's just lots of little things that take up lots of time and before you know it you start getting into June and you're like oh wow it's around the corner and yeah it can get scary when it sort of gets when it creeps up on you. Do you now feel like you've got a bit of a routine on how the year pans out in in preparation for September or do you feel like every year there's something new, you know, there's a new website that needs to be built or, you know, a new functionality or a mobile application, some kind of technology change? Yeah, I think I'm fairly on top of it all in terms of like I'm very familiar with like regular things that we have to do but as it grows I just get a new set of challenges like for Mm. instance we really made a conscious effort to really invest in our board last year which has just been amazing for me to have a really active and supportive board that can help me because for a long time it was I sort of felt like I had so much autonomy that I was making a lot of decisions myself and it was sort of overwhelming at times the Mm. bigger it got and the bigger the decisions were that sort of landed for you to make was a was a bit hard at times and yeah and then this year was the first time we've actually hired someone like I've got someone beside me helping me out who is just uh, unbelievable she's just been it's been the best decision I've made in 10 years by a mile <laughs> it's just I think I've just been outstripped trying to do all these different things that are like at a surface level like I couldn't dig into become things a jack really, of all trades yeah exactly that's the exact term that's what it <laughs> felt like and yeah like, it just didn't allow me to focus my strengths in certain areas and let someone else, you know, own something. So 
And so is she, is she a COO or something like that? Yeah, so we, she came on board as our community manager to manage that big fundraising community, to support mm. them, acknowledge them, find out how we can do things better. And, like, it's just funny. Like, I guess you get lucky sometimes too. And it's a flexible role and sort of mm. like permanent part-time and she's a, a young mum as well. But she's probably more qualified than I am. Like, she's brilliant. <laughs> and I think the thing that works is that we're like, we get along like mates. And I guess yeah. that's my working styles. I'm very casual. Yeah. But I like that, like, we can just chat. And it's just so nice to have someone for the first time in ages that you can pick up the phone and, and bounce ideas off. And, and I'm not precious in terms of, like, I don't, you know, I like when people can come in and challenge me and go, why are you doing it like that? Like, because sometimes <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't know. I just want just been taking the long route. Yeah. <laughs> so she's brilliant. So I think that'll evolve a bit further too and she'll sort of sit alongside me. We've got to structure that up and yeah it's just great like it's just been I wish we had it on earlier but I'm so glad we've done it <laughs> yeah well, sometimes like you were saying before it's just the timing isn't it you've got to wait for the right person to come along yeah and I guess what I was going to say is what are your special skills that you think that you you know particularly make you the, the right person to lead the business and, and what do you think are you not you know things you're not so good at well there's a lot I'm not good at <laughs> <laughs> well, I did PR and marketing sort of at, when I was out of school I guess I was sort of in in that mold but yeah I, I think uh, like uh, even talking with our our board at times like a, a big component of my job is is working with chemist warehouse and knowing that mm. relationship I think that's really important that you know I'm very familiar with their business and how they work and I know you know how to manage that relationship now like to really make sure that it's working at both ends because it's such a critical partnership for us that I want it to be as healthy and in the best position possible. So I think that's a big component. Of like, And I think, yeah, relationship building is something that I'm pretty confident with and I, and I like doing. And, yeah, I think mainly this this change of having someone else come on board is going to allow me to work on the business, not inside the business. So mm. if you call it a business, yeah, it's sort of strategically now I can look top down a bit more and plan for you know movements of like where we want to be in five or ten years like I think when it was myself it was sort of like year to year because I was so overwhelmed with like just trying to get a campaign up and running get it all done yeah mm. and then you're like oh it's back okay get planning for the next one so you just don't <laughs> sort of get a breath to go okay let's plan out for you know so I think that's going to be a really big one so yeah and I don't kid myself there's a lot of things that I was dropped into this and you learn along the way like mm. you just sort of learn a bit of everything you know from like, like doing all our accounts and things to doing social media to mm. doing you know it's just it's very very which is good I like it it gives you a good mix. What do you think those biggest lessons are for you what are some of the things you've really learned either about yourself or the business? I would probably say to not give up. Mm. I think it's a really, really big one. I've done a couple. I don't love public speaking, but I've done a couple of conferences where talking about to other nonprofits who are startups and things. And then I think it's sort of engaging for some other nonprofits because you can just see a really clear, like small scale to, you know, to, to now of like that path of like how it's happened. And, and I always talk about not giving up because I was so close to giving up. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, you know, it's not like I did anything amazing. It was just beautiful timing where I came in. And if I had stopped and gone, I'm finishing up on this, it's too hard. I, it would have been horrible not to know what was just around the corner. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's really powerful in you never know what's around the corner. So if you really believe in something and, and you want it just to keep pushing, you know, you're going to have some really tough times. But 
yeah, just to keep pushing and pushing and, until, you know, you never know what's around the corner exactly. And do you think partnerships, I think when we spoke previously, you were saying that people, there are a lot of brands and people approaching Leptember now, obviously seeing you've aligned with someone like a chemist warehouse tells them that you're open to partnerships, but you've got a lot of equity in the business now. You're raising a lot of money. You're getting a lot of traffic to your site and to socials. How are you using that to kind of attract partnerships that help benefit the Leptember charity? I think that's a really interesting one is this next stage that we've broken into now is like to, to have a really clear plan for that because you know it's great you have a lot of people approaching and and, and you've got to be you're realistic about it too that you do have some people approach you for the wrong reasons to you know work into the back door with chemist warehouse and you know they might have vested interests in in other things so and that does happen but yeah it's just having it and at the moment, and probably that's something we haven't had, is a clear guideline for partnerships and how people slot in. So we've had this big major partner that we want to keep as our headliner, mm. you know, keep in that space. But it doesn't mean we can't have, you know, smaller partners coming in and around and support. We just need to have some structure to that of how that looks so that we're not, you know, working with every single brand that comes across and mm. we also also got a balance to, you know, we are a charity and we need them to be supporting us. Like I do like working with other partners and having a mutual beneficial setup where they're getting something out of it too. Like that's always the best way to work, but it's got to be balanced whether it works right for us. So I think that's a, ne- that's a really next step for us too is like, you know, bringing some more partners in underneath that level mm. and just having them all fit nicely that they're not overlapping in different areas and it sort of works cleanly. So, yeah, that's another thing. Again, another thing that when you're working in it, too deeply you can't sort of sit back and go okay well we're here now (laughs) like what do we do now to 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 move forward and what's the best course of action yeah moving forward Uh, i can imagine that you know building partnerships for a charity especially needs to be really carefully looked at it can't be done kind of randomly you need to i guess make sure that that partner's going to stack up yeah even stuff (laughs) like like a really like recent example of like i had a lot of organizations offered to do face masks for us like oh. with lips and stuff and we're like you don't want to go down that road and then you get a, a mask that's a, a dodgy grade mask and then you're attached <laughs> like it's a bit of a minefield at times mm. you've got to be really careful of how you know, you know enter into things and and just sort of think ahead but you know it's a great position to be in to have you know people wanting to support the campaign and get involved you've just got to filter that and, and do it the right way and how how is kind of women's mental health obviously it's it's a big topic and a gender item you know specifically through this covid period but how do you see your work kind of impacting the mental health area you've obviously created a lot of donations over the years but year on year what are the changes that you're able to make or you've been making i think from the get go when we very, when we first started saying really important to us to you know, deliver as much as we can to the right places. I'm very conscious of that. It's, it's a really oversaturated space at the moment. And there's a lot of people that don't do the right thing. So we want to be as transparent as possible. And, you know, that's probably like some of the reasons why we didn't hire someone until it was the right time that we thought the balance of what we're bringing in, you know, justifies bringing someone in to, to help that cause. So I think it's getting bigger and bigger each year in terms of our outcomes. Like you look back and you go, wow, like look what we've funded, like in a real range of different projects. But I think something that we're really interested in now is also freeing up a little bit of funding for smaller scale organisations. So for instance, the 
We currently have six key beneficiaries that we distribute to. But underneath that, we sort of see scope for the smaller organisations. You know, there might be a program in South Australia somewhere that only needs, you know, $40,000 that could mm. do some amazing work and have a, some really serious impact that we could be easily supporting. So that's something where I, I'm really excited about too at the end of this campaign is to sit down and start again working out structures and that's what our board's working on is like, you know, how does that look? Is it a grant process where small organisations can apply for pockets of funding? Mm. But again an amazing great position to be in and like what a great job to be able to do that like you know it wasn't that long ago that you know it was hard to raise money just in general and now to have access to so much to make such a, a you know really serious contribution is, is awesome it's incredibly powerful that the brand of Leptember growing over the years, the partnership with Commerce Warehouse and, and the obviously the social impact of COVID and, you know, mental health kind of for women specifically becoming such an important agenda item across the board. And now you're able to kind of really make a difference in society. It is an incredible thing you're doing. You should be very proud of yourself. Are you, how do you feel? Is, is this all the, everything you imagined it to be? Is that the success of doing this powers you on? I can imagine yeah, it's been it's been really that's a, another thing we talk about. It's been really motivating this period to see it grow and then to like grow the organization in certain areas and put the right, you know, structures in place has been really motivating for me. Like because it, it is a challenge sometimes you work I've been working on it for so long is that sometimes you get bogged down or you can lose a bit of sight on things too, you know, and you have setbacks over that period. It can be really demotivating. So, yeah, I feel more motivated than ever and I think it's yeah especially through this period we were really unsure like how's it going to go with with COVID it was I naturally am more inclined to be a bit more of a pessimist and I was sort of like oh how's this going to go and but it's funny it's like it's almost had the opposite effect where people are you know really connecting and engaging with it and I think you know it's mental health is more important than ever and it's you know bringing it even more to the forefront and that's something really exciting too. If you know, during this after this campaign, we can really directly support some people that have been affected by the situation at the moment. Like that's unreal. It's amazing. It's such a rewarding thing to be able to do. And you're based down in Melbourne, right? So you're obviously still in lockdown there at the moment, coming yeah. easing out. <laughs> yeah, <But> easing. <laughs> how has the has Liptember been impacted, if at all, through COVID, or do you think it's just kind of raised its profile this year, particularly? Good question. For me. Like, it's not a huge change for me because I work remotely and, like, it's just me. Like, you know, I, like, I'm very casual and, like, I'll only go into Chemist Warehouse a couple of times a week to touch base. So, like, because we – and obviously the uh, Katrina, who we've hired recently, works remotely too. So, it's fine in terms of an operational sense. It has changed things in terms of, obviously, physical events that we don't do. Like, we normally have a launch each year and have some physical events and now – fundraisers will do more physical events in terms of fundraising. So that's changed, but we just sort of made a shift to do, you know, have a bit more of a presence digitally and do more activations that are digitally focused. And yeah, it's been, you know, a lot of our key numbers are up from what they mm. were last year when the pessimist in me were like, <laughs> oh, it's going to be down, everything's going to be down. We're like, no, 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 hang on, just take a breath. And I think that's what it is. I think people are just connecting with them. People are, you know, you know, people need to connect with other people and it's a really good way for people to come together and connect when we, you might not physically be able to be 
with the people you want to be with, but you can still, you know, connect digitally. And that's what we're trying to do through the campaign is connect people and, and form that sense of community, which has been built over the last decade really strongly. And so are you saying that donations are up year on year this year? Yeah, I, I've got, I'm always careful of like that they are. <laughs> like it is so far. I think I'm like, oh, but it's got to slow down at some Halfway point. Halfway through the month, right? Yeah, but like our, yeah, definitely our, our the donations and supporters through our website are up. Mm. which is great like yeah it, it's it blows me away so yeah where that lands at the end of September who knows but you know we're in a really you know I think we'll have a really strong campaign which is great because at the start I was like everyone just you didn't know is all the unknown and a little concern so yeah it's a great result. That's awesome. Are you someone that sits and looks at your dashboard and kind of refreshes it every few minutes to see how everything's going? Yeah, I do. I do. It becomes, and you've got to sort of get out of that. And it was like up refreshing how many fundraisers and what's the total. And yeah. Kat did the same thing. Like when she first started, she had our socials. We have a social agency that does our social work, but she also had it on her phone. It was just going off every second. I'm like, get it off your phone. I'm very strong on that. So yeah. you've got to not get too sucked into to the daily monitoring, but I am yeah. guilty of that at times. Your social followers kind of tick, 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 ticking up and donations yeah. going up. And you've got a few different ways of getting donations, haven't you? Because you you can build groups and people can fundraise for you and then they can just donate directly and then there's events and things like you were saying traditionally. Yeah, so some states are still able to do events and things. I think Victoria is a little bit different at the moment, but yeah, that's what we try and offer to people is that, you know, you may not want to do the whole thing where you're getting sponsored, but you can just go in store or you can go online and buy a lipstick or you can buy some of our merch or you can just make a general donation. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of ways you can get involved. You don't want to do the whole hog and, and be wearing lipstick every day of the month. but And that's been really strong and we do have a lot of people that do both. I think we have a really strong donor network that just make you know donations or might sponsor someone they know that might mm. not necessarily get involved themselves but it's still a way to support the campaign. So it works well in that regard. And so personally for you over the course of this 10-year period, you've obviously, you know, grown up, become a father I hear. And yep. tell me a little bit about kind of your biggest learnings as a, as a person through this period and how you've kind of grown and evolved. I think that the big one is not giving up. That's a big, mm. a big one is to just keep persisting but I think I worry I think I've evolved to worry less and panic less I think as younger minor things would happen and it'd be the end of the world like oh no how am I gonna I would get overwhelmed by and we've had some serious setbacks where what are those setbacks stuff that I probably wouldn't go into with like (laughs) other organizations trying to stamp us out because we're doing something that's in their space which Mm -hmm. was really like confronting for me as a Mm. like being naive and young Coming into oh yeah like charity you know non profit everyone helps each other and it's a, yeah it's like this utopian play it's it was just not that it was and, and I understand it now obviously being in it for so long is it, it's an industry where people are making a living and you know if someone's donating to this organisation they're less likely to donate to yours and there's that I, I mm. hate that I really I dislike it but it's there and yeah we've had organisations I've been pulled up to Sydney when I was young, I remember, by an organisation and names that I thought, oh, wow, they want to work with us. And they're like, you know, this is a really big break. And they pretty much pulled me into their boardroom and said, oh, can you stop? <laughs> can you stop using lipstick, I think, was their request. Or <laughs> I was just like, I couldn't believe it. So, yeah, we had some 
nasty. Yeah, eye-opening experience. Yeah, but it's funny. I, I find it really funny is that some people that shut, I know a lot of doors shut on me early days and then you come full circle and you come across these people that then want to reconnect with you since they know you've sort of become slightly successful in terms of your fundraising and your partnerships and, oh, this might be able to benefit us actually. And they, it's funny how people can sometimes come back, you know, hang on, I remember you, you're the one that, you know, didn't give me time of day. So that's something I try and, you know, really have professionally is to try and work with people and have that mutual beneficial if you can with partnerships that set up, but also like if you can work with someone, you can both, you know, drive from, you know, a situation and work together and you're not like, I, that's how I want to be. I want to be inclusive and work with other and not try and shut people off of like, Hey, this is my space and this is mm. you know, my area. And like, I, I, I really, I guess that's just a personal thing for me. So I, I really don't like operating in that way but and I guess 10 years in you you become a lot more confident you've got a successful business and donation and charity here now it, it makes it easier to to say no to certain partnerships or people or decisions yeah I think I've been more I've become more assertive too mm. I was a bit of a pushover <laughs> I've just got that personality type I'm a bit soft at times but I don't think that you need to be hard with people to get your way, but just a little bit more confident in what I'm doing and that, you know, I don't have to tiptoe around things at times. But, yeah, that's probably the, the big one for me, I reckon, is that just going with the flow and going, okay, well, what's this is the challenge that I've faced. Like, well, okay, how am I going to get around this? Like, I've gotten around bigger challenges before and it always works out somewhat. You find a way around. So I think that's probably my biggest change and learning over the years. And what do you think then is kind of your mission for the business now? Has it changed from when you were, when you first started it or do you see it evolving kind of year on year, depending on, you know, how you change? I think we've still got the same outset of like what we want to do and, you know, what funding and what our, we, you know, obviously our big core goal is, you know, our outcomes and what we produce and how we support women and improve women's mental health. But just putting some stronger structure around that when there wasn't any for so long and it sort of limited us of like to be able to, you know, grow and it's a hard space too in, in a non-profit industry when some non-profits get so big that the line between non-profit and just few regular business sort of gets blurred or like they've got so many, I don't want to get to a point where we have huge overheads. I like being able to mm. work, like work remotely, for instance, and have a smaller team. Like I think you can do things a lot smarter. But, yeah, just putting just support structures in there. So it's just, I guess, not just me, like, doing everything. It's just it's great to have some clear structure and guidelines of, like, hey, this is how we operate. This is what, you know, it, it just was so long. It was so – it was, like, it was myself working in my study, like, trying to, you know, do things. And yeah. Yeah, so I think not too much has changed. It's obviously just our, like, the scope of the, the organisation, the campaign's growing, so how we evolve with that and – and grow alongside it as it grows. So I think our, our main core focus and, and goals are still all the same. I mean, you've probably been a bit of a, a thought leader in terms of, you know, remote working, you know, flexibility, all these things that you've kind of inherently built into your career. And now, and especially this year, becoming part of kind of life, which is fantastic because I think everyone was you know, at the brink basically and needing to kind of go back and spend more time with family and, and kind of have a bit more flexibility in their life. You've already adopted that and I suppose in the same way that your kind of partnership with Chemist Warehouse has been great for you, you've probably taught them some things about, you know, running a business as well. Is that, would that be true? 
I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> no, no, I think I think it's a, just a great thing to, for them to see, you know, these outcomes that are being generated by mm. you know, the support they're giving. Like each year, it gets they get bigger and bigger and and more and more impressive. And I think that's something that's a real motivator for me at times too. I can get caught up in looking at the you know our targets and figures, and then you look back and you read like our outcomes and what we've funded over the last 10 years. And it's sort of like, wow, like I sort of, you can get caught up in it. And then mm. you sort of take time to look back and go, gee, we've done some really amazing work. It's fantastic. And I think that's really rewarding for Chemist Warehouse, you know, to be able to give back in, in that regard. It's a singular kind of partnership with Chemist Warehouse or do they have other partners? That they have, of- yeah, they have a couple of others. So they do, and obviously they've got another one with men's mental health as well so it's we're probably at their oldest charity they've supported for the longest amount of time you set the wheels in motion yeah yeah and i think that you know because it did well it sort of showed them hey look we can be doing some really good work at the same time of being a really successful business and give back and you know i think the is really powerful in in regards for them is that you know their primary customer base and their, their staff is, is female but, you know, they're, they're really looking after their staff as well. So it just sets a really good tone from from there and to, to show, you know, that they're doing some really, you know, positive work as well. I think you can sometimes get a bit of a bad rap when you're a big juggernaut like that and people can get on your back for more negative than positive. But if it wasn't for them, like these outcomes wouldn't have happened. So, and it's only just the beginning too. So I think, you know, that's the exciting part is, and that's, I think, excites them as well is that this is saying we can really you know, easily grow and and support and maintain over a really long period of time. And I think that's when we first started with them, they were curious about it. It's like, well, this, is this, is this something that works? And like, it's a resounding yes now. Like it's really easy for us to, for the work we put in to make some, you know, huge impacts on, on women's lives. So, yeah, it's really, really rewarding. And I think that's the biggest thing they'd probably take from it is like, hey, like it's great. Like it's a feel-good factor for, for us and for our staff and for our customers. Something to be really proud of for them and, yeah, and yeah. you too. Definitely. I mean, we can't ignore the fact that you are a 30-something man who's been for the last 10 years speaking up for women's mental health. Can you kind of share some of your experiences as being a man in this business world and charity world? What's the reaction out there? I get that a bit. Like a lot of people are really are quite curious of like, oh, you know, it's great to see a guy supporting, you know, women and, and doing something that's at the benefit of women's health. So I don't know. I think it, it's funny because I fell into it. It wasn't something that, you know, for any specific reason, you know, that personally or anything like that. But at the same time, like, I don't feel like I would get anything more out of if I was doing this for men's, like a men's cause. Like it's just as rewarding. Like women are, you know, wives, daughters, mothers, sisters, like they play such an important role in men's lives. Like it just doesn't, it's no different to me. Like it's just as rewarding as it would be, you know, if it was a, a men's focused health initiative. Like there's, there's no distinction for me. So it's just as rewarding. But yeah, it's curious that there is that reaction. So there obviously isn't a lot of guys doing, you know, more for for female causes. But yeah. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's just still a bit of an unknown sector or why do you think that? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. I, well, I, I couldn't put my finger on it. We think it's amazing that you're doing this job and it's, you know, I think like we talked about when we chatted initially, it's great to see men supporting women like this publicly but also I think it speaks to other men and it kind of allows other men to see 
men being involved with with women and women's mental health challenges in a really open way and and that's such an important you know role you're playing you must be very proud yeah I guess it just doesn't really occur to me it's such a natural thing I don't really see that but uh, like if that's something that it comes about as well that's a bonus that's amazing inspires more men to support women that's something we want to build on too is to get men wearing some lipstick and getting some male ambassadors because it's a really powerful thing to bring people to you know genders together and be supporting men supporting women yeah I, I think you know if that's something that I can sort of you know push a bit further then that's great it's an additional bonus but it's just not something that's really I guess occurred to me it's sort mm-hmm. of when people say it it's sort of I go oh, okay like it doesn't yeah it's 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 a strange one well it's awesome <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself and how you're on this journey and where you're personally going as a as a CEO and taking the business and and your kind of plans for the future yeah that's an interesting one too because I've been doing it for so long there's sort of there's that point of like well do you move to something else and do you challenge yourself somewhere else but it's hard. I'm so passionate about it. And it's something that I've started from day one that I'm so attached to. And I, you know, I could never envision not doing what I'm doing. Handing it off to someone else. <laughs> yeah. I just, it would be bizarre. Maybe down the road as we, I think that would have been really hard to do previously when there was that less structure and guide of, you know, how we operate. It was sort of me making my own decisions and doing things in a certain weird ways. Now we have a bit more guideline that down the road eventually we probably could pull you know bring people into certain roles and I could maybe take steps back and maybe just work more from a board position but yeah at the moment I'm just too motivated and too passionate about like well this is a really exciting time for me it's probably the most exciting time we've had of like to take that next step and to really like fund some significant outcomes to make really significant impact Mm. I want to be a part of that so what are some of those things that you're so excited about I think that scope of being able to fund more grassroots and smaller scale yeah. initiatives, I think, you know. you and they take lots of conversations and lots. They need you. Yeah, and I just like seeing, like, that direct impact. We have a really strong partner, which was great to see, called the Pretty Foundation, who deal with positive body image and self-confidence in young girls. And when we supported them, it was almost sort of like seed funding to get them off the ground. So to see that, I think it's that's a big one for me as a rewarding one to see something small and I really believe in what they're wanting to try and to achieve and make that possible. That's probably one of the best parts of my job is to go, hey, like, you know, by supporting here, we could make, you know, enormous difference. So I think that's what I'm really excited about is funding some smaller things that you know could make a really big impact and set them on course to start their own journey and it just sort of grows and grows if you can start sort of planting the seeds in a few other organizations to sort of get involved and help out and support women's mental health more and more it just grows it further that's exciting like seeing Mm. seeing that happen i mean the women's body image kind of area is so huge really because it's so inherent and you know in young girls and you know we had tragic news this week about grand candy's daughter passing away and and you just think a young 33 year old girl with body image issues you know how can we help it's it it impacts everyone because i think everyone's known someone who's really struggled and we're seeing stuff in five to seven year old girls who are dissatisfied with their bodies and it's just it's crazy like it worries me like i don't have a daughter but it doesn't you know it's not hard to imagine how tough that would be to have a young girl and like have those pressures and I know a lot of it is that social media 
mm. world that's driving a lot of this that's really unhealthy. And yeah, that's something about the Prindy Foundation that I was just straight away I believed in. It was just so profound, like the message and what they're trying to do that, you know, we're incredibly passionate about that. But to see, yeah, to see the effects of mental health creeping back into really young girls now, like and starting earlier and earlier, I think, and that's something that we're trying to do too, is like some of these projects that we're funding and especially through Pretty Foundation is to get onto this early and rather than let a problem get out of hand later in life, like let's address it earlier because it's already re- rearing its head earlier than I would ever think. Yeah, it's, it's, it's scary. It becomes yeah. part of an education rather than a, yeah. a solution when there's a problem. It's actually part of the education curriculum. Exactly. And that's yeah. the kind of thing that you can do is that you can use the funds to build education partnerships or programs to help yeah. women of all ages. Yeah, incredible. I mean, that's endless, right? Yeah, so they've, <laughs> got, they've even got a children's book series that's all about, you know, instilling positive body image and being comfortable with who you are and you know know, everyone's got different strengths and they work that beautifully into their books and it's saying that they you know really want to have young girls reading and you know affirming positive body image and yeah it's it's crazy because you when that I started sort of learning about this too you you think surely not at that age well I've got two daughters and a seven-year-old daughter who's in year two at school and I can see it happening the girls kind of have a lot of interest in tv and entertainment and access to to online it's certainly becoming very real at a very young age certainly is yeah scary Okay, well, this is the part we kind of switch into talking about a bit more about you personally. Um, so thank you so much for kind of sharing so much of that story of Lip Timbre. It's been absolutely fascinating and incredibly amazing work that you're doing. You should be, you know, so proud of yourself. Thank you. Thank you very much for sharing that with us. So some of the questions that, you know, we, we do ask all of the interview guests that come onto the podcast, is there a book along the way, if you're a book person, that has changed your life and, and what which one is that? I need to be more of a book person. I <laughs> read more. So many people say that. Yeah, I need to get better. But the, probably the last one that I read that was really good was from the Resilience Project. Mm. by Hugh Van Kylenberg, I think his name is. He's amazing. So it's just all around resilience and it talks about, you know, again, that need for a really program to see the negatives all the time in, in life. And one of the big things from that book that I took is that they have this process you can do where you do a diary where you write down your three wins for the day. So mm. by doing that each day, you sort of rewire your brain to find the positives in life. That's something that I'm bad at is I'm always latching onto the negative and like focusing on what I don't have. So by doing that, it's actually really like the psychology around it. It's amazing. Like if there's a certain period of time you do it for that, it's scientifically shown that it does start to readjust the way you think. So neural pathway, pre-programming. Yeah, so, and it's simple. You just, at the end of the day, you write three things that you had wins for the day and three things you're grateful for. And mm. then you also do, I think, three things you're looking forward to for the next day. So by doing that continuously day after day, Mm-hmm. it actually starts to make a really big difference because you start looking for the positives rather than the negatives. And you need to find one. those three things. <laughs> yeah, so that, that book, that was amazing. But I do have to get into more reading, that's for sure. Do you keep a note in your phone and, and kind of keep the day by day so you, you see what you're... Yeah, they've got a diary. I ordered a diary too off their website. And, like, it's nice doing that physical thing of sitting down and writing something. Like yeah. I think that helps as well. Daily ritual. 
Yeah, yeah, it's been a really good one. Well, that was that was kind of the next question is what of your habits do you kind of credit for most improving your life in recent years? Yeah. Well, that's been a really big bump because, you know, I had some challenges, you know, in life, like as everyone has, does and you have pockets of ups and downs and that sort of got me through a bit of a, a tougher period. So that's something I'm trying to, you've got to really stick to it too. Like I think you can get into habits again and you go, oh, look, I'll do it tomorrow night and mm. then you miss it. And, yeah, so it's definitely one of the best things I've done. It was really interesting. So definitely advise everyone to, to mm, try and do it read that book yeah and so when you do have you know bouts of tricky times or you're feeling overwhelmed or unmotivated at all how do you personally kind of push yourself through those periods I generally think that like a lot of the time I like to speak to people that are more driven than me like I have a lot of people I work with you're pretty driven <laughs> but I'm, I'm honestly not I'm not like I could be so much better but yeah, sometimes I'll get off the phone to someone that, you know, the, the, for instance, uh, Marissa Forsyth, who runs the Pretty Foundation, is just, mm. a, she's a gun. I'll speak to her and she's just bang, bang, bang. And like, you, you get off the phone, I'm like, oh, I'm recharged again. I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah. I think naturally I like slow down quite easily. And I do have to sort of get myself motivated. But I think that helps me the most is speaking to people that are, you know, that have that natural. I don't know, there's just some people sometimes you speak to and you go, wow, like, I wish I had that drive I think you do you do have that drive you've got oh, this business know. running for I feel I've got a bit more of it back like recently <laughs> like I've sort of yeah but I can naturally be a bit lazy at times so I've been oh, I don't think so <laughs> <laughs> is there a particular kind of mantra or philosophy that you try and live your life by or do you want there to be <laughs> no not really like I'm pretty go with the flow like I'm yeah, no, not really. I don't really have a philosophy. Like, yeah, no. Yeah. No, no. Do you have a kind of a daily ritual that you do apart from this note-taking? Is there, a, you know, do you like I'm to? I'm trying to, I'm really bad with, which I started to look at is when I wake up, I would be straight on my phone. So I'm trying to now really get up in the morning, forget about my phone because I'll wake up and then you'll be straight into email. So you've like just broken out of sleep and then you're like, you're just in work mode instantly. Yeah. So that's something I'm trying to work on in daily life. Do you have to put your phone on the other side of the room? <laughs> yeah, well, I haven't done that yet, but what I do is I just don't, like I'll wake up and I have that natural urge to grab it, but I don't. And I'll get up, have a coffee, move around. I probably should do more, like we do yoga or something like that. I'm not at that level yet, but it, it just lets you wake up. Mm and not be hit in the face with problems. And I felt that's like thrown my anxiety through the roof at times that you wake up in the morning and then you, you face with something that's quite significant. And you're like, oh, and you're suddenly you're through the roof of anxious and worrying. It's just sets the tone for your day. It's incredibly unhealthy. And I'm the same at night. I'm trying to step away from my phone. Mm. Like I always think about that as like people, you know, what, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, when work finished, it, it finished and you'd like, yeah, you had a bad day at work. You're like, I'll go back in tomorrow and I'll sort it out. But you work just follows you oh. home. So I'm trying to do And I do that with some people too. People will send, if they send emails late at night, I just won't respond. And I'm in a fortune position. I can probably do that. But I'm very strong on that in terms of having that break away and trying to step away from work. Yeah, it's real discipline though, isn't it? Yeah, it's hard to do in this world. Yeah. And what does success mean to you? Good one. Uh, professionally, 
flexibility in work and low stress are huge for me. Being able to wear a hoodie and a, and a hat to work. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very casual in that regard. Like I, but the big one for me is, yeah, flexibility. Like I've got a young son too, so it means like if I can go and pick him up from school and like to have life and work yeah. together and not have my life revolve around work. Yeah. How old's your son? He's five, going oh. six early next year. So, oh, yeah, awesome. he's, he's school next year. But, like, him just kinder and doing things or going up and, like, especially while he's not at primary school, spending a lot of the day with him and being able to do things. And just I think that needs to be across the board with people is that, you know, I don't know how people do things that are, like, that are that nine to you know, 5.30 role where you're like, how do you fit things into into life? Like, I'm very fortunate where I can go and, okay, I've got to get that done and okay, I'll work. And that's what I try and push to with Katrina who works alongside me is that, like, if you need a day just to get some things done, that's fine. And she, you know, can make that time up over the weekend or break mm. it up through little pockets and do it an hour at night or, you know, I think that's really valuable to me. Like, I, if I've got that flexibility and I don't have huge, huge stress, I'm happy. Like, I'd hate yeah. to be in a role with, I'd always choose less money and a happier life than, you know, high-paid job and, like, stress and, you know, timers and deliverables. I'd hate that. I just think it's incredibly unhealthy. So, yeah. But it, some people love that. Some people just thrive on it. They're like, they, <laughs> they love work. Like, there's yeah. amazing people at Chemist Warehouse that I see and they're, like, you know, they, they're in there every day and they're still, like, they're successful as they are, but they're still – and that's why they're so successful. <laughs> just wired differently, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I just – Balance I just is like important. And yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, especially – Working in the area that you do of mental health and good mental health, this is a key one for a lot of people and I think more so than ever this year, that flexibility and work-life balance has kind of risen to the top of everyone's minds. And I think I can't tell you how many conversations I've heard people say, I'm just loving the extra time with my family. No one's complaining yeah. about it. <laughs> so that's the thing. You've got to pull the positives out of things. And if there's one positive, I think that might be it, is that having that switch. And, you know, I've always like said it, like, why can't people some have like some days where they work at home, like break it up a little bit and be more flexible with working yeah. hours and not having to be in that office all the time. Like, I think it would make a huge difference to people across the board. So hopefully that is a shift that we start seeing now as a result of this. Yeah, totally. Okay, well, the final question, because we have hit a one-hour mark, which has just gone so quickly. (laughs) But if you had a platform to speak to the world today, what would it be? Honestly, it would be around get off your phone. and Mm. So people are so disconnected now and social media is another one I really struggle with is that I'm off it now. I don't have Instagram or Facebook. Like I have them for September, obviously, to, to monitor but. Yeah, I know how positive that's been for the world in a lot of areas, but I just see so much negative with social media. And like, I know I've had it with my son is like, I'll be on my phone sometimes and say, dad, get off your phone. Like he's <laughs> trying to get my, that's terrible. Like, yeah, that would be my big thing is to, to connect again and just take a break from that, you know, mm-hmm. constantly being on call and constantly being on your social and worrying about what everyone else is doing mm-hmm. in their life. And it's massive. Just, yeah, like stop, you know, it, it's unhealthy to know what everyone else is doing all the time. <laughs> yeah. you, why do you need to know what it what someone had, you know, when they went out to dinner or all that, you know, and it, that breeds a really unhealthy comparison. It's sort of like mm. when you're having a, a bad time, you jump on social media and you're like, someone's bought a house or someone's, and you're like, well, why haven't I bought a new house? And why haven't I bought, like, it's just, 
Yeah, I don't feel I've ever gotten off social media and gone, gee, that was awesome. That's <laughs> such a good time. Like, and it's still got that addictive thing where you want to use it. So I, I'm just freaking like cold turkey. Just When did you do that? Well, I haven't had Facebook for a while. I got rid of that. I got rid of Instagram recently. I watched a documentary called, I think it's called The Social Dilemma on Netflix, which mm. is, that's probably, I'll just okay. say everyone in the world, watch that documentary. Okay. It's a oh, really yeah. good one and sort of, yeah, it's a bit, a bit scary but I think yeah social media is just one that I'm I struggle with so yeah get off your phones and and connect with people and take a break oh what a great way to end the the chat (laughs) (laughs) that was awesome thank you so much no thank you make sure you subscribe to our channel and stay tuned for more episodes from a moment with modern mentors coming your way soon